I thank you for the opportunity to be here. You know, I love to preach. It's, uh, that's one of the things I get to do I don't have to do. Uh, as I get older, it gets harder to get my, keep my train of thought going, so I'd ask you to pray for me that I'd be able to keep my train of thought and get the, preach the message that God's laid upon my heart. You know, I got saved September the 9th, 1972, like I told you. And when I got saved, while I was on my knees praying, I told Jesus I had served the devil 150% in my life. I'd given him everything. And I wanted to make sure that I gave Jesus more than I gave Satan. And I've tried to do that all of my life. I've loved the Lord. I've spent time with him. I've spent in fellowship with him. You know, the one most wonderful thing is that he can, loves me more than I can ever love him. And he expects us to do some things. He paid for us with a price. You're bought with a price. You know, we're, uh, the message I want to preach this morning is about being uh, what happens to you after you're, after you're saved. First, you're born. Uh, if we look in the book of Genesis, if you'll open it for that's where I'm going to start. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You know, you look through the Bible, you find out that God, God made all the animals, but he didn't breathe in them through the breath, the, the breath of life. He didn't breathe into them a soul. I, I know you, a lot of you are cat lovers and dog lovers, and you're hoping to see your dog in heaven. But I hate to tell you this, but the Bible says they're not going to be there. Say, so where are they going to be? I don't know. They'll be happy because they made us happy. And it's a wonderful thing to have a, have a pet. We've got two of them around the house there now at pastor's house, and they're a real blessing. It's quiet when we go to, to our apartment, and they, they, uh, they are a, a big blessing to, to have there. But uh, God gives us life. It's God that gave you life. It's not your, uh, your past that gave you the life. Your mom and father, your mother and father, God picked for you and God gave you to that they might have the ability to raise you as a, as a good young man or a good young lady. But the decisions you make in life are you're responsible for. You know, we have a nation and a world today that doesn't want to be held responsible for anything. They want everything done for them. They want everything, everything done immediately. But God's Word doesn't say things happen that way. When you get saved, or when, you, when you're born, God breathes into your, your, your body a living soul. That soul is going to live through eternity. That soul is what I want to speak to you of today. When you get saved, God expects you to make some changes. I have to turn you off. You're going to do that to me. Seniors with technology. Yeah. It's the pits. <laughs> I'll have to use my paper notes. But at least I have a clock now. Uh, I have to be through in about 12 minutes, so I better get, get moving. The, when, when, you get, when you're born, you're, you're breathe, God breathes into you a living soul. Then he allows your family to have influences on you. 
And the influences you choose are usually along the lines of your family. But as you grow, you have to come to the point, and God gives everyone the opportunity to be saved. You read Romans chapter 1. It doesn't matter uh, who you are. God will give you an opportunity to know the gospel and to trust Christ as your Savior. It's a wonderful thing to know that God does not allow anyone to die that didn't have a choice to go to heaven. They've either chosen to, to go the wrong way someplace in their life. They've made that choice. God's brought conviction, and they've made the wrong choice. When I was a 12-year-old boy, I made a choice to walk out of church. I decided I would never go to church, that I didn't want to be around Christians, and I didn't want to have anything to do with Christians other than my daddy, and I didn't have. When I got away from home, I lived a wicked life. I joined the Army after I got drafted into the Marine Corps. I didn't want to be a Marine, so I, got, I got, went in the Army. And, and I, I lived a life that was, uh, at the time, I thought was great. I jumped out of airplanes. I did all kinds of stupid things. I, I repelled out of helicopters, and all that made part of my life. I often have said, you know, I, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd took better care of my body when I was young. But I, I promise you, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be the same person if I had. I've had all those experiences, and I can relate to a lot of people in a lot of different positions. I can relate to people who are in the military. I can relate to people who are lost. I can relate to people who are wicked and godly. I know the, uh, what goes on in your heart, and God will t touch your heart, and God will give you the ability to change. I got saved in 1972. I was an alcoholic. I had been from the time I was 17 years old. I didn't draw a sober breath after I came home from Vietnam until the day I got saved. I got saved. I had, 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 had been drinking all day long the day I got saved. And God loved me enough to reach down through the alcohol and the stupor and to save my soul and give me a home in heaven. But when he did that, he gave me some Christian friends. And that's what the church is for. He gives us Christian friends that we can help us grow and, and grow together. We can reach out to them when we have heartache. We can reach out to them when we have questions. We can reach out to them, and they'll help us grow. They're our friends. We have one friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. He will be closer to you than any friend you've ever had. I love my wife. She's a wonderful lady. She's, she's been a blessing all of my life. She's been a great mother and grandmother, a great preacher's wife. But I can't say I love her more than I love my Savior. You see, my Savior is most important. The thing that's most important in your life is your God. Amen. If it's your children, it's your God. If it's your job, it's your God. If it's your hobbies, it's your God. You have to make sure that you don't have, uh, uh, allow your, your hobbies and all the things that, that come around in life. And there's nothing wrong with having hobbies. But if that hobby becomes a God, I know people who, I hate to see Christians buy boats. Boats have destroyed more Christians than anything because they're going to go out of the lake just for a little while. They'll go on Sunday afternoon, but we'll be back in time for church for about two weeks. And then they stay all afternoon. God has to be first place in your life. You have to trust Him more than you trust anything else. You have to love Him more than you love anything else if you're going to grow the way He wants you to grow. 
When I got saved back in 1972, I went to a restaurant uh, to, to drink coffee that morning. And when I got there, guess what happened? None of my friends wanted to speak to me. I don't know who's trying to make noise, more noise than me, but I can get louder than they can. Is that my hearing aid? Is there something buzzing? my iPad. <laughs> How do you turn this stupid thing off? Oh, there you go. That works better. Now I put myself back together. <laughs> oh, man. It's getting in, messing up my preaching. Anyway, God wants you to serve him. You know, he gives us, when we get saved, he gives you the Holy Spirit to teach you. And he wants you to go to the Word of God and be taught by the Spirit of God to live in the love of God. God loves every one of us. There's not a person here he doesn't want to have a close personal relationship with. That he doesn't want to walk with and talk with and guide and direct. He wants to take every step with you and, and make your life a wonderful, joyful thing. My wife and I have been serving the Lord for as long as I can remember. <laughs> now, we've been serving the Lord since, since the, I went to Bible college in 1976. How many years has that been? Uh, we've been serving the Lord for quite a while. And it's, it's, it's really more of a blessing every day. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter it grows. The more that I love Him, more love He bestows. Those songs that we sing in our hymn book, if you'll let them soak into your soul, they'll be what carries you through the week. You'll love them. They'll love you. But I better get back to my message or I'm not going to get through. I wanted to talk to you about life and how life is worth living. It is worth living. But most of us as Christians never know the joy of total commitment. I don't mean necessarily standing behind a pulpit to preach or going to uh, some places a missionary, I don't mean that. I mean just the joy of being given to God, wholly His, directed by His Holy Spirit, walking with Him and talking with Him on a daily basis. It's kind of like, you know, we have there in Linden where we live, we have a, a fair that will be coming up here in August, and it has a midway on it. You know, if you go to that midway, uh, they have rides, and you have to pay to ride those rides. Well, I want to give you an illustration of uh, uh, it's, we'll make believe that we're there. We go, uh, pastor's got two sons. We're going to pretend they were teenagers, and he goes and he buys them the armband to go on their hand. And he tells them to go through the midway, do whatever you want to do, have a good time. I'll see you in a, in a little while. And he allows the kids to go. Tyler and Austin walk out into the, 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 the midway and they look at the rides with big eyes. 
See, they've never been there before. They see the tilt-a-whirl going around. They think that would be great. That'll make you sick, folks. Yeah. I've been there. That will make you sick. I, I, I've seen, uh, they go to the roller coaster and they see all the people going and raising their hands and having a good time as they fall and they bounce and, and all the things that they do. They have Every ride they go to, they get more excited watching the people for a few minutes. But then they think, we don't have any money. Why, why do we want to stay here? And why do we want to, uh, want to watch all these people have fun and watch all this stuff? I'm bored. Why don't Dad come get us and take us home? The Dad comes to get them, and he says, Boys, what are you doing? I said, oh, we've been sitting here watching these people ride. He said, well, Pastor said, well, why didn't you ride? They said, well, because we didn't have any money. We're preacher's kids. We're broke. <laughs> he said we didn't have any money. He said, you didn't need any money. The armband that I bought paid for all the rides you wanted to ride. Because you had the armband, but you didn't ride it. It's like most people are in the Christian life. Christ paid the total debt, and he gives us eternal life. He gives us the blessings of God, and he gives us total submission. He gives us blanket joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. He gives all that to us when we get saved. When you get saved, the armband you got gives you the whole Christian life, but you've got to use it. Doesn't do you any good to just walk around with an armband that says, I'm a Christian. Doesn't do you much good. What will do you good is, is getting in your Bible and finding what God wants you to do and how God wants you to speak and how God wants you to uh, treat your neighbor, how God wants you to treat your wife, how God wants you to treat your children, how God wants you to respect your church, how God wants you to attend your church, how God wants you to support your church. All those things you find in the Word of God. But most Christians never find them because they don't submit themselves to the authority of God's Word. God's Word will, will, will never return void. But if you don't open your heart and receive it, it can't change you. Today, what's your testimony? What have you allowed God to do in your life since the day you trusted Him as your Savior? Have you done anything for His honor and His glory? I know a lot of people do things to impress the pastor, and that doesn't get anything done. A lot of people do things to impress their parents or kids do. That don't, don't worry help either. What you need to do is submit yourself to God. Allow God to change you from the inside out. First, you've got to be saved. Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. I got saved September the 9th, 1972 at 309 West Lee Street in Dimmit, Texas. I was a sinner on my way to hell. I got on my knees at my living room couch, and when I got up, I was a sinner on my way to heaven. Amen. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. And that's what you are if you're saved today. You're a sinner saved by grace. You'll never be perfect. You'll never be where you don't sin. You'll always have faults that you, that you find. And you find your faults uh, uh, 
if you find your faults in experience, you have to have some regrets. But if you find your faults in the Word of God and confess them and change your life, you don't have the faults that destroy your life. God's Word is the most important thing in your life. Let me ask you something. If you only got to eat next week as much as you ate spiritually this week, how hungry would you be next Sunday? I'm afraid most Christians would starve. You probably wouldn't have to go on a starvation diet because you'd already be there. What's your relationship to the Word of God? It determines your relationship to the God of the Word. Read your Bible, pray every day. We teach the kids little songs about that. Read your Bible, pray every day. I can't remember the rest of it, but that's one of the songs. We had, as, as adults, we need to remember to read our Bible and pray every day. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin, if you've never come to a day when you trusted Christ and Him alone for your salvation, won't you come today, let us take a Bible, show you from the Bible how you can know for sure beyond any doubt that you're saved. Not hope and not wish, but know it without any doubt. When I bowed on my knees in my living room, and I trusted Christ as my Savior, He lifted the, the, the weight of the world off my back. My sins were forgiven. He placed them as far as the east is from the west. You know, you can go north till you turn south, but you can't go east until you turn west. When God forgives your sins, He puts them where they can be remembered no more. They're behind Him. He can't remember them. Your sins are forgiven. Your life should be changed. Christians, let me ask you this. How much has your life changed since you met Jesus? Are you still going down the same road with the same friends, trying to balance Christianity with the life that you lived? Or are you walking with God, spending time with God, and allowing God to change your life? God wants to be the most important thing in our lives. Is He in yours? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the day and the blessings of the day. Lord, I thank You for the gospel. I thank You that You were loved us enough that You came and died for us. God, I can't imagine that amount of love. But God, I know You love me, and I love You. God, I'd ask you that every person that's in the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin would come today and let us show them from the Bible how they can know for sure. Beyond any doubt, they'd go to heaven. But Lord, more than that, I'd ask you that the Christians that are here this morning, the ones that have placed their faith and trust in you and you alone, would give you what you paid for. That, Lord, they'd turn their lives over to you and totally submit and say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want in my life. God, I'd ask you today that you'd take charge of this invitation, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in our midst. And, Lord, that you'd work in hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Every head still bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you some questions. First of all, how many can you say today? Preacher, I know 100% for sure. If I were to die right now, if a plane were to fall out of the sky and kill all of us, I know beyond any doubt that I'd go to heaven. And I'm not ashamed of it. Here's my hands, the testimony of my salvation. You slip your hand up. I'm saved and anointed. Don't have any doubt about it. If I die right now, I know for sure beyond any doubt I'm going to heaven. All right, you can put your hands down. Be anybody today that say, Preacher, I just don't know. I'm religious or I go to church and I do this and I do that. But if I died right now, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to. Would you pray with me? Would you slip your hand up right now? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you a name. I won't point you out. I'll just pray for you. If God spoke to your heart, you want to trust him as your savior, you just slip your hand up and right back down and I'll pray for you. Thank you for the hand that was raised. God would ask you that this morning you'd work in our hearts. That Lord, if we've never trusted you, we'd come and trust you. But Lord, those of us who have testified that we know we're going to heaven, God would ask you that you'd help each one of them decide if they've given their life to you if they've walked with you and talked with you, spent time with you. Lord, if they read their Bible every day or if they ever read it, God, I'd ask you today that you'd bring conviction to the heart of Christians, that their walk would be closer to you when they leave here today than it was when they came. God, we'd ask you that you'd take charge of this invitation, that you'd speak to our hearts, that should meet our needs. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.